Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes and Demise. My name is John. That's Ian. I am Ian. Yes, that is true. Hello, I am Wheeler. <laughs> hello. I don't. I, I'm, never mind. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, hello. This is Dog. Yep, perfect. Um, so today is February 26th, here for episode 114, titled History Made. Because how is, it already, this, how is it already the end of February, by the way? Like, what the heck? Well, February is the shortest month, so... But even so, it's... Oh, never mind. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the organized play announcement that was published the day we published last week's episode, uh, which is not... Well, for the most part, it covers almost everything we mentioned in the communication episode, so I'm not I'm not that upset, but I'm still upset. Um, there, there's a couple good- there's a couple things it doesn't quite cover. Yeah, no, no, it's a deal, but at the same time, you know, I'm mostly happy. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, hey, we actually got it. Congratulations! Yeah. And then we're also going to talk about Mythic Champions Cleveland because I'm not going to have the other name Wizards. Your hashtags are stupid. Pro tour, pro tour. Hashtag put a dollar in the bucket. Your hashtags are stupid, Wizards. Anyways. <laughs> okay, if you don't know, turns out that the hashtag for the Mythic Championship that was happening in Cleveland was hashtag 2019MCI, I believe. Not MC1. Was it MC1 one. or MCI? MC, MC1. MC1. Turns out that's a hashtag for a gun. Well, yeah. That, that came up like a little bit after the fact, and it was just like, ooh, wait. So guess what's going to happen right. next year? We're going to have hashtag 2020MC1. That's also going to be a gun. Good job, wizards. No, the, no, it doesn't matter because the the, 19, the 2019 thing is just basically the ba- year that this one came out. I don't think they're going to remake it next year, but yeah. it's whatever. It, we're nitpicking right now. I against one of the things we actually brought up last week on Twitter with some people was that Mythic Championship Series MCS Cleveland would have been amazing. Yeah, or you go back to the previous one where you had MC set. I know you're trying to di- a wizard. I know you're trying to like divest them from. You know, the sets now, but or, or, or here's an idea. Here's an idea. Free idea, Wizards. Blake, if you're listening, write this down. Hashtag uh, TMC Cleveland for tabletop or you do hashtag AMC for Arena Mythic Championship and then whatever month it is. So like AMC July. Well, no, that might get close to AMC, the 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 uh, TV network. Yeah, we can workshop it. We can workshop we'll, we'll workshop this. <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah it just i don't know anyways it's weird we're gonna i think it's just best that we can go ahead and jump on in with our eyes on the community uh oh, the yeah. big thing that also came out as of this past weekend um was pro tour historian brian david marshall who's been a guest on the podcast who has been a coverage fixture for so many years um as of the end of mythic championship cleveland he has officially retired from coverage. He has another opportunity that's a, that he's taking that he's really excited about that he needs to devote, devote his full time to. And as such, he's going to be stepping away from the coverage side of things. And yeah, uh, yeah, we, we, we currently as a community don't really know exactly what his uh, thing is going to be because it's under NDA, I would assume, or something like it's that. It's either a project that he's not willing to talk about yet, or it's some sort of NDA style thing. Yeah, but even so, it's it, the sheer outpouring on social media this past week was really great in terms of just everyone with their thank you BDM stories and stuff. I shared mine that it turns out I actually didn't share on the podcast. I thought I had. Well, but then. yeah, at GP San Antonio 2017, the I, I talked in length about uh, hashtag drunk bracket. 
instead. But later in that weekend on Sunday, uh, I had a rental car because I was in the area and I was able to take, I got an invite out to the coverage dinner. So I got to like basically chill with Chris Pakula and BDM just shooting the shit about uh, sci-fi books, movies, songs, and it was just sublime. And the food was amazing too. It was one of those like nice restaurants where the, all the you basically just get it like five or six on uh, mm-hmm. you know, appetizer things for the sides for the table, and everybody shares. Okay. And it was really amazing food. And then took them to a uh, an after after karaoke party further outside of town. And actually, we just had my Spotify on and actually got a compliment on a playlist from Chris Bakula, which means a lot because the dude knows he his is, music. He is on so Twitter, kind the of, meddling mage. Yeah, it, it was a pretty cool little like, all right, he liked my uh, kind of like alt rock, yeah. whatever playlist I was rolling with. And I was like, cool. It was OK Go based. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, I don't think it was kind of weird. Like, I don't think he'd actually like really knew who they were. And I got to, I don't know. either way, I thought it was a blast. Yeah. Um, but, and BDM's like, Oh, that night was really cool. And I'm like, he, all right. If you remembered it for sure. Awesome. Yeah. But and as a reminder, no, um, no. back when we had Proto Amaket here in Nashville, uh, I got to interview almost everyone from the, the coverage staff. And I'm, I had an episode where I sat down with BDM and then Maria, and that was a great episode. Um, and again, just thank you, BDM. If you listen to this, what you've done for the magic community is legitimize it in a way that no one really had, and you'll be missed. And good luck in all your future endeavors. Yeah, yeah they had a really nice video at the end of coverage where all sorts of pros and everything like that just were expressing their thanks for everything um, from his days back at Neutral Ground, starting running t- the, some of the initial tournaments in the New York area to his work as the pro tour historian mm-hmm. and being the guy who's there to do with the post interview, the, the, the championship interview and everything like that. So, and introducing the new hall of fame classes, which we still don't know how it's going to look in the future, but Hey, the, it was, it's amazing to have someone of his caliber and he's not going away from magic. He's going to be at events. So if you see him, he's like, yeah, if you guys see me at events, absolutely say hi to me and everything like that too on Twitter. He's like, I'm not going away. It's not like a funeral. I'm just, Leaving coverage. Yeah. If you see me at events. As, uh, there there are definitely play. a couple of Twitter threads where he was like, now I get to play more or, you know, get to, you know, do other things instead of just doing what doing the coverage thing. Because coverage I, from, you know, what we've seen, that does require a very specific skill set and a lot of, you know, preparation and study. Whereas, you know, if you're just rolling out to a Magic Fest or a GP, it's, you know, the amount of prep you want to, you can do is either a lot or minimal. So regardless. Yeah. You, you yeah. Prepping for. You're prepping a deck against a field of other decks versus knowing what the heck everything is going on in this format, but at least having a baseline understanding if somebody brings a rogue deck that you want to cover, you know roughly some of the stuff that's going on too. Mm-hmm. So you don't just be like, look at this crazy deck. I have no idea what it's doing. And that's why some of the coverage people are former players. But yeah, it's it'll be great. Now uh, I'm really excited for his future. Speaking of this speaking weekend of future endeavors. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend is Magic Fest Los Angeles, which is the first of five GP main events that are being streamed by Channel Fireball because CFB got an agreement with Wizards and agreed, or and Wizards basically licensed CFB to stream five Magic Fests this year, which we had 38 last year. I understand there's a big change going on this year, so while five was not the number no, I so wanted to that, see. 
it's at least <laughs> and the thing is the five right now is kind of like they're currently contracted for five we don't know which five outside of magic fest la mm-hmm. necessarily yet but there is i would assume an absolute option yeah. for more i mean i, I it, it's modern it's going to be great i mean i already saw a pick previously there's going to be amazing cosplayers there i'm really sad i can't go because a lot of my friends are going um but the, the main reason we're bringing this one up is kind of well it's also just because in terms of future endeavors lsv is a bold bold magic player and he is not one to shy away from the spice now and the spice in this case is one of the big moves in large magic streams lately, as far as events, CFB or not CFB, um, Wizards and uh, SCG both do this, is chat, Twitch chat, is in sub only mode. This is mainly, as I understand it, and Ian, you're free to correct me, to deter people from just joining the chat, flaming someone, insulting someone, being otherwise derogatory or insulting, um, and leaving, or, and then. Uh, well, the, by by leaving, you mean getting banned and then hopping yeah. on an alt and then account, doing, burners doing and the keep, same thing over again, getting banned. You have to call Twitch and get yeah, the ISP banned, and that's a whole thing. Um, fun fact, you can't actually get your ISP banned through Twitch. You have to have some pretty extenuating circumstances to, for Twitch to resort to yeah. IP bans now, these days. Now, that obviously brought a lot of people to ask, you know, what, oh, by the way, CFB, by the way, they're, they're going to start the stream on Saturday with not being in sub only mode open chat so open everyone chat. can come in um because people because trolls are less inclined to pay five bucks each time they want to go come into the chat and you know be jerks basically and there's yeah, a lot so of people basically this all stemmed because so this all stemmed because off the original tweet by gp sydney 2018 winner jesse Stefan asking hey are you going to have sub only chat for coverage and lsv responded directly to her saying we're planning on we are planning on aggressive moderation with in parentheses with moderators lined up. I reserve the right to pull the plug on that if it's not working out though. Hi, I'm one of the moderators lined up. <laughs> What's up? Uh, I can tell you personally that I have assurances. I've talked with LSV directly on this one. Is that unlike other ones, we are getting direct support from the streamers. In this case, like they are going to be fu- like LSV and team are going to be fully watching this chat, even taking moderator feedback into account if we feel like it's getting out of hand or it just gets out of hand from what they want they have reserved the right to fully throw it into sub only mode during this weekend in the middle of the event and i am honestly all for that i kind of want to take a little bit of an aside i know i mentioned a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the year uh i wanted to do that kind of like hey let's interview the community on this and like see what their thoughts on chat moderation and how chat should go turns out Thanks to the replies, I can see that it's basically leaning in the direction to make it sub-only chats now for large events. And you know what? If that's how the, if that's how the public feels, cool. The thing is, is that people are kind of upset. Like, why are you even trying this? Just leave it sub-only. Here's the thing. Channel Fireball is actually putting a concerted effort into this to the likes that I have never seen Wizards of the Coast do. This is speaking as somebody who is a Wizards of the Coast yeah. moderator. We never got this level of direct support from the people who are running this chat that we will throw this into sub-only mode like this. Like, I have never seen this. Like, he is fully well aware of what can happen. And he is listening. And I I believe LSV 1000% that this, if if this, 
even if day one, if we have to sac- like I was telling John before the cast, if we have to sacrifice day one of one of the 12 to 13 big stream events that we get this year um, for magic coverage in terms of this tier of play, like GP or pro tour slash MC, whatever you want to call it. If we have to sacrifice day one, that's fine. Cause now we can be like, we did it. It didn't work. I know what you guys said. We listened. We just wanted to make sure like for sure we like we are putting one effort in one single effort. If this does not work, we even have a schedule. Like we have hourly, like not even hourly, half hourly, even 15, I think down to 15 minute blocks of who's available when for moderator coverage. And so far with the exception of like three or four blocks, I think everything has at least six to eight moderators working at a minimum. And that's with the moderators that are currently. And Luis is still accepting people. So sending him emails for, you know, yeah, if you have mod. Yeah. He's, he's still vet. Yeah. He's still vetting more people to join this squad too. So there is going to be a non-zero number of moderators in this chat paying active attention. We're going to be getting their guidelines once the team is solidified. And I am fully looking forward to giving this one effort and one attempt. And I really do hope if you are listening and are in the, why is this happening? It should be sub only, no questions asked. Please just give us this one opportunity and I will fully be with you in, holy crap, that didn't work right there with you. I apologize in advance if you have to see stuff. I I will personally, basically my entire weekend is free. So I will be there and I give you my personal apologies in advance. If something gets by, DM me and I will take care of it. That's me telling you directly right now. Anybody listening, message me and I'll handle it. I got this. We got this for you. We want to have a good, we want to have a good viewer experience. And We've never had this kind of concerted effort with an open chat before. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we'll go sub only for the rest of the time. There we go. Now that I've gone on that lovely windabout road. It is modern. Modern is I'm excited. It's modern this weekend. Um, I was looking up. um, I follow Caleb Sher on Twitter and he posted his uh, sideboard recently for for Modern Storm. And one, he's playing two copies of Ravenous Trap in his sideboard, which is... Which is actually really interesting. Because <laughs> you know how really you feel about against, that, uh, Phoenix. So I think that's why it's in there. And then he's also to be to be fair. Right now, both side on MTG Goldfish, the current pull has Dredge and Phoenix as like the top two or three decks right now. With Grixis Death Shadow being like, I think it's Grixis Death or it's Dredge, Phoenix, Grixis Death Shadow. Not particularly in that order, but those are like the top three yeah. decks right now, and they and all then, heavily um, utilize the graveyard. So. But now, trap the, the like other card okay that he put in the sideboard that I had already been thinking about was Shatterstorm. Because Grixis Whirr is an annoying deck. Fun fact, some of the more recent Grixis that Shadow lists yeah. have actually been it, putting that in their sideboards. Even though we only have literally like yeah, three red sources in the dang deck. But anyways, we digress. Let's go ahead and jump in, talk about the OP announcement, then, then talk about Mythic Championship Cleveland, because I'm not yes. calling it the other name. So... Big thing happened the day so. we published last week's podcast, which was we had a very, very big article that everybody lambasted because they said Mythic 66 times in the article. And listen, branding is important to these big companies. And if they're going to put Mythic on everything, they're going to put Mythic on everything. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't need to you know, make fun of them for using their literal brand in 66 times it's like it'd be like trying to make fun of them saying magic 66 so, times. so here's like the so here's to me. 
Here, here's the thing though. Like it actually, it varies depending on how you want to do it. I just control F the document itself yeah. and it's 64. I know I'm splitting hairs here, but amongst the couple graphics on the page, it could vary anywhere from 64 to 68. So Anyways. whatever, don't split hairs. It's it's the branding they've moved to. Also, we're just gonna have to also suck it up and deal with opinion. it, I guess. Unfortunately, but I don't hate the name Mythic Championship. I I yeah. It should just be Mythic Championship Instead series. Of series. It should be yeah, whatever. But anyways, CS. we digress. Uh, the first main announcement that they mentioned was the 2019. Well, not sorry, was the 2019 World Championship and who can qualify for the World Championship. So the first big thing, the first deviation from last year to this year is that. Only 16 players are going to play for the $1 million world championship. Like 32 or 24. I think it was 24. It was what, 32 so last year? We're cutting it down significantly. Now, here are the here are the ways you can qualify for it. Be last year's world champion, which is, by the way, an amazing thing. Because after B, after Brian Brondouin won the world championship one year, he didn't qualify the next year for the world championship. And he was unable to defend his title, which I think having... It yeah, was 96... It was uh, oh, yeah. not, in 2016 into 2017. He won it in because he won at it PAX at, when they re- uh, when they revealed Kaladesh. Yeah. PAX. Um, and I was there yeah. for that one, so, so I've, and I've only been to PAX in even years. So that's all I know. Is Javier there, Dominguez, which I love, being able to defend champ, your world title is important. Be there. And having and now we yeah, actually have the winners of the seven Mythic Championships. We'll get to that too. in a second. Also, all go, and we'll talk about the winner of MC Cleveland a little a little bit later. And then the other the other people, the other eight players are the top four Magic Pro League players with the most mythic points, basically pro points, their best performances overall, all of the mythic championships. And then the top four challengers, which would be, I guess, non-MPL players with the most mythic points. No, it is. Literally, it's like, are you one of 32 MPL players? No? Congratulations. Yeah. You're a challenger. So for <laughs> That's literally so how it is. Setup, I... I think that this takes care of a lot of it would give it gives you the best players because it gives you last year's world champion. Now, granted, Javier could have a down year this year and suddenly you're just like, does he really belong here though? But at the same time, def- being able to defend your world championship and have that opportunity, I think, is important. You have the you have the seven mythic championship I, I winners, agree. which battle through an entire three day event. And a single elimination top eight. I think that that is a fine thing to do. And then you have the top four MPL players and then the top four cha- non-MPL players. And that, I think, gives you the cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're I'm like, what are mythic points? Well, it's a new system basically from Arena at the end it's of also each season, I think it is. Or they have like these weird, they have these weird, like they have these weird mythic qualifier weekend things where if you're the top 1,000, you qualify for it and that's a whole let's put it this way we're gonna gloss over about maybe a quarter we're gonna hit maybe a quarter of this article and gloss over the rest of it because there are so many routes now to hit this that you should honestly if if this even has an inkling of interest to you in terms of competing for this it we would be doing you a disservice trying to actually drill down into this whole thing. You should go look at the article. People yeah. have done nice little breakdowns as well out there in terms of if you want to qualify through arena, just be one of the top 1000 people at the end of the qualifying of each, month. Uh, uh, yeah. It's the end of the qualifying, like little preseason, whatever you want to call it. 
And I, it, by the way, top thousand, either limited or constructed. You qualify Mythic Qualifier Weekend. Yeah. And then you qualify for the weekend, and then you have to day two that weekend, and then you have to get no, no, first, sorry, so those, those mythic, those mythic 50, points second forty-two. Are, I do not think that they're strictly for the mythic championship weekends. No, they're world. Yeah, yeah, they're world. They're the world championship championships, qualifier points. Um, this is just for the mythic championships. This is not for the mythic qualifiers, as far as I'm aware. There, you do get five points oh, day yeah, two the, the mythic qualifier weekend. Well. Oh right, day yeah, two, day twoing, day twoing the mythic yeah, yeah. qualifier gets your points. It's right? basically pro points. Yeah, see, this is how confusing it is. Like I was even hacking that up. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, because actually, so MCQ M- MQWs are mythic qualifier weekends. There's massive yes. notes. This article is gonna is already in the show notes, by the way. So just check that out if you want to. Uh, players who participate in mythic invitational PAX East in March will not receive mythic points. Cool. So that basically sets it. If you get these invitationals, yeah, because it's you're not gonna receive mythic points for it. It's I not like a- that competitive event this is a showcase the invitational is a showcase of magic yes you have the 32 mpl players and you have the you know the other the 32 challengers um but they aren't competing for they're competing they're competing for they're just competing for the invitation that's go play javier dominguez at worlds have fun brother they're there for the cash anyway another note grand prix will not award mythic points again this is basically looking at the premier level mc mythic mm-hmm. mythic championship level events for these mythic points the last of um but again day twoing mythic qualifier weekend mm-hmm. will get you five points towards that so there's something to do last event to award pro points yep so they're sunsetting it this year again remember the last event to award them will be grand prix magic fest seattle june 21st to the 23rd that is the last opportunity to get pro points before yep. they basically get retired and they're locked in Pro Club program ends December 22nd. Platinum, Gold, Silver invitations and appearance fees will end with Mystic Championship 6 in Richmond. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Platinum appearance fees for GPs will end at GP Portland that weekend of December 21st, 22nd. So what are the seven Mythic Championships? Well, the numbers are a little kind of easy to go about that, if you that, kind that of throw away number one. That one just happened. But from now on, all even number mythic championships yep. are the tabletop and all the odd are arena so we have four of the seven mythic championships and these are all the tabletop thousand dollar prize pool the each. traditional these are the tabletop yeah. events paper p- play paper play cleveland just happened this past weekend number two mythic championship two is london april 26th through 28th mythic championship four is Barcelona, July 26th through the 28th. And Mythic Championship 6 is in Richmond in November. Now, there are three arena ones, which don't have exact dates yet. We have, there's one in June and July, which is three, one in uh, August, September, which is five, and then one in November, December, which is seven. Now, $750,000. Each of those has a $700,000. Now, here's the other thing. Tabletop Mythic Championships are pro tour sized. um, And they have a graphic here that says up to, yeah, up to 500 players. The Mythic players. Arena Championships have 52. The people who get on there are the Magic Pro League players, prior performance invites, which is based off of pre- your previous Mythic Championship run on Arena. And then, again, if we have this Mythic Championship Qualifier Weekend where if you get top 1,000 in li- Constructed or Limited, you go into a multi-day event, you play Saturday, then you play Sunday, and I believe, as I scroll down to double-check this, you have to be in the top 16, I want to say? to uh 
to make it. Yeah, the top 16 players for that tournament will qualify for the Mythic Championship. Yeah. So the online one is this. There's. It's more of a. They're they're really pushing the esport thing here in terms of like, hey, the one that has a more money is going to be harder to qualify for in terms of just sheer number of slots alone. You get 20 slots out of the 52 players for these the Arena Mythic Championship because you have to yes. fight through all the 32 MPL players. So if you said there's 16 of them, that means there's four prior performance invites open. So I have seen a lot of people pushing the heck out of Mythic on Arena. Yeah. And you know what? Power to you guys. Seriously. Good luck. Like I'm not, And yeah, I'm not meaning that as sarcastic luck. Out. Like, no, seriously. Good luck. Like, I really hope... I. Like I've seen players who I'm like, man, I never thought of them as like hyper competitive, but all of a sudden they're like, they have an easy way to play and they can play consistently. And if you get enough wins and rack up enough and you play enough, you might finish up in the top areas and qualify. And I'm like, if I would love to see this be a springboard for like how they did the thing, you can go from, go from just, you know, playing arena on your computer and just doing decently with a good deck and springboarding that into winning a huge cash prize. Which is sometimes a bit of a slog. Grant now, granted, there's a slightly different system as far as ranking is concerned in that game versus arena. It can be a slog, but again, and then if you care about your rank, getting in the top 1,000, that can also be a, that can also be a major hurdle. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, the thing that I was looking forward to the most was what happens to the PTQs, and we there was a small blurb here that describes it. So basically, for Mythic Championship uh, Richmond. The qualifying season is going to be between uh, start or the um, excuse me, the championship the championship season is going to take place between um, what is it? No, for Barcelona, sorry, which runs May 11th to June 16th. There are going to be 150 globally WPN slash tournament organizer run events. So there's so worldwide for Barcelona, there's going to be 150 pro PTQs basically. Now starting with Richmond. Um, you need to have 200 Planeswalker points earned in the previous season to even qualify for these events. And to help with that, FNM events are going to have yeah. double Planeswalker point multipliers starting on April 1st. Yeah, so they've actually, they're now incentivizing going to Friday Night Magic, which is I think actually yeah. is kind of great. I mean, promos are cool and all, but like actually being like, this is, it's kind of weird that they're A almost making bit. this like the replacement for regionals. Based on kind of how it sounds, like you have to have a certain planeswalker point threshold to qualify, and then there's only going to be a certain number yeah. of these events run, and you got to find one in your area. So, but what's really kind of interesting though is that the as far as we are aware of right now, the current planeswalker uh, multiplier point things are still in effect. If you happen to live on the east coast of the United States of America. Congratulations! Yeah. SCG events yeah, are. are eight also, times. Also, um, as of as a note, like I, I, my six and three finish basically netted me like there you go w- uh, enough to qualify for Richmond. Basically, another note as far as qualifying for, for the, a tabletop, for, yeah, the uh, championship. Events. Aside from that, uh, if you get thirty nine match points or top eight a GP, you still get qualified for whatever that feeder uh, the the next upcoming uh, Mythic Championship would be. And then top four teams and all other teams with 36 points in a Grand Prix will also earn an invite. And then also, starting with Magic Us Barcelona, it looks like they're going to run eight last chance qualifiers run the day, running the day before the start of the Mythic Championship that can also qualify you. And then also, if you play on Magic Online, 
you can also qualify for Mythic Championship, and then there's just a lot of other ways. And then also, yeah, yeah, it's there's a lot of crazy stuff. And, and then, then like, like stuff and regarding then how many pro, and how many points club, and, and how many points yeah, you get at the Mythic seriously though, like so go go dig into these. It sounds things. like that they have a better idea now, and that they're actually communicating with to, to us. And now, well, I I can't look online yet and see when my local where my local MCQ is going to be, but at least they have a setup for it. And that makes me happy. It's not everything I wanted. And in fact, I yeah. probably still would have preferred if they announced it on stream, but announcing it that when they did still makes sense. And I'm happy that they did at least. Yeah. And one finer thing for that, the prior performance invites and stuff like that. Um, right now, they actually announced who the four are going to be for Mythic Championship 3 is that it's going to go to PT 25th anniversary team uh, of Alan Wu, Ben Hall, Greg Orange, and which Tour, are Gr- which are the, good, which are the right Alan people Logan. to invite? They're the four slots, right? It's the the past Pro Tour invites, so that's kind of something to look at. If because nowadays the Pro Tours are going to be included in that because the Mythic Championships each get a slot. However, it would have been like, well, I won right before this went to effect. Yeah, what was me? I guess, so, but no, they're actually including good. them in there, which I think uh, is also great. one so. other thing for. <laughs> For Mythic Championship London, uh, which is the next Mythic Championship, which, by the way, they announced as Modern and War of the Spark Draft, which War of the Spark Draft was the correct choice. You did good there, Wizards. And then for Mo- and then Modern, which I love Modern. Ian, you love Modern. We all love Modern. They're testing a new mulligan. Oh, no, no. Hold on. First off, before we talk about this mulligan, they're going to be drafting War of the Spark. The pre-release weekend, yeah. The weekend it's basically released. Yeah, yep. it's pre-release weekend pro tour level drafting, but for modern because it's the pre-release, the spark cards are technically not legal, right? So I, am I just okay find it hilarious that, that they're going to be drafting a set. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's funny that they're going to be drafting a set in the morning for first three rounds, and then they won't see those cards again until literally any of those cards. Period. End of sentence. Unless it's a reprint. Yeah. Until the next morning for three rounds and then that's it that'll be fine <laughs> you won't now, see those cards mulligan. again until like apparently next was already has been testing this mulligan extensively in standard and limited and now basically what the london mulligan is is every time you mulligan you draw seven cards but every time you mulligan beyond your first hand after you choose to keep a seven you then tuck x number of cards or x is the number of times you've mulliganed so if i mulligan to six so the current so, on, so, so, hold on. so your current mulligan rule is you look at, you draw seven, look at seven. You don't like that, you put it back. Then you draw six. You don't like that six, so put now it back, you, you draw, draw five. seven. Don't like your seven. Now, John, draw a new seven. Do? If you don't like that seven, you t- you ship it back, draw another seven. And then if you keep that seven, you take the t- you take two cards from your hand and put now, them on the bottom of your library. Now, when we say yeah, ship it back this- and then draw another seven, there is shuffling involved. See, you, you'll you'll draw you'll draw seven. Not like yeah. that. Put it back, shuffle up, then draw the next chunks. But this way, it lets you look at seven cards where, you know, say, say you mulligan. To be fair, this kind of people are like, okay, this got kicked in after I mean, LSV mulligan the four at Pro Tour Guilds of Ravnica. And, you know, you mulligan the four, you're already down. You only get that scry. If you don't like the scry, you put it on the bottom and you're literally living off the top of your deck and could just completely stall out. This alleges if you're mulliganing down to four, you at least looked at the top seven. You can pick the best four of those seven 
and then put your three blanks or slowest cards down so you can at least like curve out mana wise like worst comes to worst it's gonna like people are gonna start now here here's a metagaming how you mulligan like if you mulligan a, if you mold a four if you have to mold a four right and you have a land in hand that's like three lands and four spells do you keep three yeah. lands now and ship back here's, three spells here's, here's the tricky thing i do not doubt that this mulligan works great in limited and standard I don't doubt that. I think that this lim- this mulligan would help tremendously eliminate non-games in standard and in limited, and is more. And I, I think the, it's a the better mulligan in that sense. Seems to agree to Vancouver mulligan. The problem is when you go to a format like Modern, and suddenly you have people who will mulligan to four, put three cards at the bottom of their library, and then they're o- and so their opening four card hand is Urza's Tower, Urza's Mine, Urza's Power Plant, and Karn Liberated, and. It, it's it's going to be something because yeah, like I think Storm be. very I think every deck benefits from the from this London Mulligan in different ways, but the decks that get the best are the combo decks because now especially if you're a fast combo deck or you only needed a couple cards to go off suddenly like Infect like Infect you could be like okay Mulligan like to five infect? put two cards at the bottom and almost not necessarily guarantee but you almost guarantee that you could be like you know land Glistener Elf and then you know fetch land growth growth become immense kill you like you 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 get that you get much more decisions now i'll I'll say this too like i even brought it up on twitter when this was announced i was like i feel like infect's gonna benefit be pretty decent here and it turns out infect aficionado emma handy also agree with that sentiment i'm like hey look it feels good when this happens and she's like yeah cool and i'm like so my thing too is so this kind of is a weird pseudo fix to people having stuck Gitaxian probes in their decks as well because remember technically everyone's like oh you play for Gitaxian probe in your deck you're essentially playing a 56 card deck because you essentially get a free redraw but you also get to look at your opponent's hand this is almost better in that sense that you don't have to put those technical technical blanks in your deck yeah granted you get the peak of your opponent's hand but you instead of so you can model like five and if you had like one or two Gitaxian probes in your hand, you'd be like, yeah, I'll probably keep this scry top of your deck. Okay, I get a free free draw off the top of my deck. No big deal. This one, you're actually like looking at a full seven, not having to worry about blanks in your deck or anything of that sort. You get better card selection than just yeah. maybe. And also, I will say that this mulligan this life equals is a better much card more skill intensive than any other mulligan. And mulligans are already very high skill intensity. Um, now, in modern, it's already scary. Like I mentioned, you know, opening hand of, you know, being able to almost guarantee that you have, you know, your Trilance and Karn. This is doing some scary things, or people are proposing it some scary things in, like, Legacy and Vintage. Specifically Vintage, because currently, Bazaar of Baghdad is unrestricted. And Bazaar of Baghdad, for those of you who don't know or don't follow Aaron Campbell, it is a land that says tap, draw two cards, discard three cards. And people have run the numbers, because Magic is a game of that math can fairly easily model as far as probabilities are concerned. It has a lot of, it basically has a deterministic probability based exactly, off of yeah. your limited to it's 60 all, cards. It's all and simple probabilities. You can math out exactly your probabilities of drawing, like hyper, hyper, hyper simple, geometric, simple probabilities. Yeah, hyper geometric and calculations can the tell you roughly the numbers. your percentage and of drawing and given card in your deck. A dredge player is 99% likely to find a bizarre of Baghdad. It's it's more yeah, than which that. Is, it's actually like which is kind of ridiculous. I think, if I remember correctly, mulling mulling to one. Oh, so that's one thing we should mention, by the way. Oh, you can't well, mold a zero. La di da. You have to stop at one card in your hand. 
Well, no, no, but I'm just saying like that was something they actually had to clarify because someone was like, you can just mold a zero. But no, it's like, no, you actually, you can only, okay. you have to stop with so. one card remaining in hand. You can only put six on the bottom of your library. But yeah, no, in, in that you get, cause you get a look at seven, shuffle back, look another seven, shuffle back, look another seven, shuffle back. Like over the six times you well, do that, what you're, you're seeing see- more than a 60 card deck. Yeah. So like what you're, you're basically, no, you're seeing ba- a little, you're, under, you're, you're seeing under it, you're, you're seeing under it, but repeated 60 choose seven, right? And there are repeats of those. And of those seven cards, you need one of them to be, you need at least one of them to be one of your four copies of Bazaar of Baghdad. And, oh man, this is going to play hell with the serum powder rules. I don't, I don't know if, yeah. Here's, here's, no, no, here's a fun thing. Actually, today in the article, when they announced this new mulligan, Ian Duke oh, made an addendum regarding how serum powder interacts with it. It's rather complicated. Um, and, I'll let you look at that, but yeah, no, basically they were, so we're saying in practice, we expect players to shortcut the process of putting cards from their hand on bottom of their library if they intend to mulligan again, since it won't typically be outside Serum Powder's interactions. But basically they're saying is like, at the point where Serum Powder checks whether you can mulligan, the number of cards so you'd have to choose already to been keep reduced it by one for each previous mulligan you've taken. And put the card on the bottom. So it's not. And then exile your hand. Oh yeah. That's, correct. That, that, mm, Correct. Fun. Anyways. Correct. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it's it's a, it, they basically limited it to base to serum powder. You can't just be like, oh, cool, seven, nope, seven, nope, seven. Oh, serum powder, I get seven. It's like, no, no, no. you have to Great. put your cards now. In, then you serum. We got serum powder a little bit of time of left, so let's go ahead and quickly talk about Mythic Championship Cleveland because again, we're gonna we're gonna preface this with the fact that I, I watched John and like I basically missed all of the limited portion. I did of watch the last couple event. games of the finals, but I, and I watched a couple, a little bit of the quarterfinals. But I was working that weekend, so it was it wasn't gonna happen. I watched I watched a good I watched a good portion of standard, but the yeah. problem was is that I kind of like slept through yeah. so, limited on Saturday, and I was working during limited on Friday. But I did watch all the top eight, and I did watch most. I was so I was watching top I say in heavy air quotes. I was moderating had, the chat, but uh, it was relatively calm. Autumn Burchett, Reed Duke, and Julian Bertou on mono blue del or mono mono blue little dudes. Mono blue flyers. Mono blue aggro. One copy of Esper Control mono blue by uh, Ikawa. One copy of Is It Phoenix, piloted by everyone's favorite Louis Scott Vargas, which had one Ravnica Allegiance card in it and it was a blood crypt. Uh <laughs> which was the best part of it. Uh, uh one copy of Azorius <laughs> Agro, piloted by Marcio Carvalho. Um, one copy of Simic Nexus of Fate, which was piloted by Michael Bondi. And then one copy of Gruel Agro, um, piloted by Alex Mahalton? Madeljohn, got it. Um, and Alex Madeljohn. So, th- so it turns out that basically the, the top four was LSV, Reed, Autumn, and uh, Ikawa. And I was like, is this, this is like the hardest top four to have a rooting interest for. Cause almost everyone in the top four was like very positive and someone who you would root for. Now people, yeah, people might not recognize the name Yoshihiko Okawa, but he actually pro, uh, top eight. By the way, if you didn't pro know, San Diego that was the pro tour. As he was also in the top eight. I'm, and I'm not even sure that that's the same. LSV was uh, also in that top eight. That LSV went 16 and 0 in the Swiss. <laughs> so. That is exactly the same. Now, Luis did not that win that pro tour. the exact same uh, pro tour that he went 16 A player by the name Swiss, of Simon yeah. Goodson won that pro tour, who you may recognize. But <laughs> there was an amazing dagger in coverage of that one. Oh. 
if you if you, if he's paired with <laughs> uh, Riley Knight, the Pro Tour champion Simon Gertzen, it's like they yes, were, they were talking Ryan, about it. it. Simon was in the booth, and they were like, "Oh, how'd you do that Pro Tour? Oh, I won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Um, but <laughs> I was like, yeah, about that. So the top, the, no, the top four though, like literally, was one of those things. You yeah. look at the top uh, four, the top and you're like, four. I can't be upset with anybody who wins here. I to be to be fair, of the top eight, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, seven now. of those top eight people will be like, I'm cool with this. And unfortunately, I do want, I do kind of want to touch on that little elephant. Uh, unfortunately, as well as he does in tournaments, Marcio, Marcio Carvalho has been accused in the past of cheating or gaming. Uh, um, I believe he got a suspension and stuff for like that. the he, Hornet Queen. I don't know if you received a suspension at, a, at either Worlds or a Pro Tour. I forget. I think it was a exiling a Hornet Queen off of a whip of Erebos, ah. if I remember the exact call correctly. I don't remember the details, but that was the the gist. Yeah, and there was, and there was also another judge call where they were actually like the Magic Judge account. There actually is one. Uh, did say that they investigated a situation where, uh, so Marcel Carval was on Azorius Agro. He had a dauntless bodyguard uh he sacked it in response to a cry of the carnarium and the way cry of carnarium is worded is that it should have been exiled however he just put in his graveyard the next turn he uh minused his ajani and got it back out of his graveyard put it back on the battlefield and it kind of swung a little bit of the pace of play by him being able to do that uh, whether or not it was just like a goof or whatever people are like at that level you know you shouldn't do it but any kind of time i like it it sucks that somebody i don't know i keep it stinks that anybody of marcio's level and skill level would have any kind of like well did he do well or did he not do well on the back of maybe cheating but it's it just stinks that all of his now, events are kind of tainted in um appearance um i would really i was really hoping yeah, that now, you know like the top four matchups were around, Esper Control against Is it Phoenix and Luis was vanquished here. He he didn't have another chance to get second uh, after going second at Pro Tour um, Guilds of Ravnica, and then in the yeah and, uh, yeah they did it they did well they did an interview beforehand and they were yeah. talking about like the chances to win. LSU like I'm probably at a thirty percent chance to win this match. Like Esper mm-hmm. Control is just has all the answers for Is it Phoenix. There's a lot of the. You know, like yeah. I said, the affirmation and cry of the carnarium. Kawa was running like two or three in his main deck, and that gets rid of uh, the phoenixes. Even if you uh, bolt your phoenix to get rid of it to put in your yard, it's still going to get exiled because of that claw, put, if put in the battlefield clause. Yeah. So it's not, it's it was not a great matchup at all for LSV. But then we had yeah, and so mono blue mirrors uh, on one side of the bracket all the way games, up to the finals, say. basically. Um, and so yeah, it was, and again, the, the, in the pregame interviews and stuff like that. Reed actually acknowledged that he had been testing other decks that week and he hadn't really jammed a whole lot of the mirror match. Whereas Autumn has been basically mono, mono blue. They have been playing nothing but mono blue since this, like even last format. Um, They qualified for like, they had an RPTQ. They won with mono blue. Like granted, they qualify for RP, or P, uh, MC London mm-hmm. in this RPT in like the last RPTQ cycle that exists and stuff like that. So they knew how to run the mono blue. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of that match. They um, put on a masterclass. Autumn just this weekend on how they to play showed, tempo. They did a they made that like they said they taught a masterclass. They taught an entire sem- semester of how to play mono blue flyers in standard. Yeah, mono blue tempo. 
in standard because Anubertia, who, by the way, Tempo. is a two-time na- two-time back-to-back England national champion and current reigning national champion, uh, played Yoshihiko, Ishi- reigning Yoshi- national Yoshihiko champion. Ikawa in the finals. And it got it went to game five. And it was, yes. So it went, the actual Autumn was down two games to one going into game four. So Autumn had to win runner-runner games. And I know we say this all the time for Poto, but seriously, like, do it, do yourself a favor and just go watch the finals because Autumn knowing when to press the attack, which counters to, to use at certain times and everything of that sort was just, there's a couple turning points in some of these games where if each Ikawa plays his cards differently, that would have and forced like, Autumn to play their Autumn cards plays in a way that I really admire the because they around. try to make their opponent's decisions as awful as possible. And Ikawa did a very good job, I think, when I was watching, I think it was either game three or game four, where Autumn had uh, two counter spells in hand. One was a disdainful stroke and the other was an essence capture. And and uh, and Ikawa was debating whether or not to slam down a Lyra. I know, while, I know exactly what you're talking had about. No creatures yeah. on board. Um, and now, also, also keep in mind that yes. Ikawa also in hand had a uh, thief of sanity and had also had enough mana. I don't remember to what the other spell was, but I don't think it was as impactful as just slamming the Lyra. And I think, spell I think he as had. Well. Did he have like six mana or seven mana? It was. It might have been. Uh, might have been. Kaya. It was. Like, I, I want to say it was. I think I want to say it was Kaya. No, no, no. I'm, th- I'm thinking no, of a different. No, no, no. There was a, cre- no, a different. There situation. was a creature on the board. You're thinking, of, you're thinking of game four. I'm thinking of game three. And, and Ikawa slams okay. the Lyra. Okay. And gives There's... Autumn the choice of either counter my Lyra yeah. with a essence capture, which is only counters creatures and puts a plus plus a counter on one of your creatures, or disdainful stroke to try to um, get his um, his uh, thief of sanity or hostage taker down which are great cyborg cards that he brings in against these decks, which have low interaction. And Autumn made the correct choice of using Disdainful Stroke and still so that they still had access to Essence Capture to then counter the Thief of Sanity. Because if Autumn had used, Thief, had used Essence Capture on Lyra, then Disdainful Stroke would have let the Thief of Sanity resolve. Yeah, there's a couple spots in that game just like that. There's even another one very and, obviously and then similar. In, where... is this, in game four... Um, Ikawa had the choice of trying to sequence an Eldest Reborn and a Thief of Sanity. And oh, yeah, that's what it was. And that's the one you're thinking of. And uh, Ikawa chose the wrong sequencing because Ikawa more because Ikawa was more wanted the thief, the um, Eldest Reborn to resolve more than the Thief of Sanity. But he Autumn had Essence Capture and Spell Pierce in hand and three mana up. And instead of going uh, Eldest Reborn into Thief of Sanity, he went Thief of Sanity into Elders Reborn, and then basically walked into both of Autumn's counters, and that yeah, just he he had the game seven mana available. So what he could have done is if he had cast the no, he had eight. He had, he was well, he, I'm saying, but he you know, if he'd been able, turn. yeah, if he'd been able to, what was he been able to cast the Elders Reborn first? That would have left three mana open, which would have made Spell Pierce basically pay seven mana for it. Which yes. absolutely, I would have been like slam pay three mana in casting the Thief of Sanity first. He put himself only down to mana, leaving him hosed on a potential spell pierce, which he was. Yeah. It, some of these, it, it's just incredible to see how your sequencing matters. And that whole tournament, that whole top or champ or finals finals is just watch it to see how sequencing matters in magic. And at the end of the day, autumn took it down and won 
the first ever, well, first ever mythic championship, but with mono blue tempo, and there's a lot of firsts here. There's a lot of firsts. So this is the first mythic championship. Cool. But autumn, like we noticed from using they, they're non-binary. They're also trans femme. They're the first person to um, that's trans femme non-binary to win this level of event. They were the first non-male to make the top eight of a pro tour since uh, Melissa Dottori right? Dottor did back in another Ravnica set. Yep. Pro uh, tour gate crash. This was, yeah, pro tour gate crash. So it's been a minute. And they were just, I got to say, there. It go some, some of the articles we have here in our show notes show the pictures of how like steel, like just deadpan, like looking at their opponent, like, all right, you're go. Otto has and an just, amazing poker face. Oh, the po- their, their poker face is insane. And I would be like, all right, I guess. But they yeah. also their interviews and stuff with BDM throughout the weekend. They were just nothing but in awe of being there in that moment but they autumn has put in so much hard work they have such a they have a great stream unfortunately i can't watch it because it's during my work hours which stinks but i've heard nothing but rave reviews about their um their streams so we'll have it's autumn lily mtg on twitch is their thing we'll have their link in the bottom seriously go go follow their channel watch their vods if you want to they are an amazing player, an amazing person, and it was so great to see some of their friends. Like Emma Handy, actually, is one of Autumn's good friends, and she basically not <laughs> tackled Autumn, her out of the chair almost. Oh yeah, she just she just flew in and tackled, and a bunch of other friends. Uh, Teresa Foe, I think, was one of the, the other, other people. One was, in there. Uh, Mason Clark, the, a local Nashville player. Yeah, so they all like just bum rushed the stage to uh, hug and embrace Autumn in the win, and it was. Seriously, if you can't find joy in, in the celebration of those friends, you're you're cold hearted, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like it was amazing. And even then, like, to be fair, if Ikawa had won, that would have been great. Ikawa like seemed like such a great consummate. Oh man. Excellent. At the player. end of game four, when uh he had two cards in hand, and he cast a spell, Autumn countered it, and he went tap four mana as though representing Kai's Wrath and revealed the island and scooped them up. Aw. Oh. That was beautiful. Oh, well, another, another thing, too, is they had a reaction where they, uh, or what's it called? Uh, Ikawa, actually, I think it was duressed. Yeah. Um, yeah, they duressed Autumn's hand and saw three counter spells. Yeah. And, and he was just, he had the face of like, whoa. <laughs> like that face everyone has of like, well, all right, yeah. I can't do anything about yeah. this. It was so great. Um, there, it, it, There's just so many great moments in that finals. Like it, it really is a finals for the yeah, ages. To it really watch. is. And. I'll I'll probably like I don't really I don't say oh go watch it I'll actually will probably rewatch it just because tempo is not an easy like there this is the first true tempo deck that has existed in standard in a long time where even on a single turn it can go from being the control to the beat down back to a mid range strategy within three cards being played yeah, it is on a turn people like, like picking we're picking, talking like top up we're talking people who have won player of the year watching these matches and being like yeah i don't know how to play this deck <laughs> like i literally would have played this deck completely wrong like people think, say like i've been piloting i this think deck. that mono blue tempo people... has a very low floor to get into but the ceiling is astronomically high because the de- yeah, your, everyone, your counter decisions says, are so important yeah you're sequencing like you want to get a siren storm tamer down 
as early as possible, potentially if you have wizard reports in your hand. Otherwise, you want to set up one of your other one mana threats like Miscloak Herald. If you can go one drop into a turn turn one one drop into a turn two curious obsession, that's the quote unquote oh they had it easy win mono blue play mono blue only just like wins off the back of curious obsession. Like people only remember those games where it gets stolen. Yeah. But Autumn showed the world this weekend. No, how you counter and how you p- sequence your individual counter spells and how you leverage your ops and all of that kind of thing. They showed the world that like, no, this deck has some legs to it. Um, apparently people are like, yep, been running into nothing but mono blue players playing poorly yeah. on I, arena and I stuff. do think that one of the, the most interesting things that I've seen from, from that event was when Autumn was sideboarding and they took out their Tempest Gens and coverage was like, what are they thinking? Like, isn't that one of their best threats? And then later on, Ikawa hits Autumn with the Thief of Sanity and is looking at four, looking at three cards, and it's like two lands and a spell pierce, and it's just like, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah, like, and Autumn like actually geared out of the creature base to become more of a mid range control deck specifically because yeah. of that, and it's like such an amazing call yeah. on that one, just like bringing in like surge like i don't even know if they brought surge mirror uh, surge mirror doesn't come in that particular one surge mirror was really good at all yeah in their top eight they didn't they didn't <laughs> they play, the mono they didn't blue, play mono against the, the green deck so that's where it's that's where there's it only like one or two green decks in the top eight yeah. anyway uh but yeah like there's another essence capture some more disdainful strokes some negates yeah and that's basically what came in they boarded out the tempest gins brought in their counter suite and said i'm gonna play with 13 creatures yep beat me yep that's basically what it is. So, and they did yeah, it. And hats off to Autumn. They're they're gonna be playing for the world championship in December. And hats off again to Akawa and everyone in the top eight who play some really great games of Magic. Actually, yeah. like I don't remember seeing a whole lot of the Gruel Aggro deck, but it was pretty spicy and pretty nice to see like Gruel actually being yeah. a thing. Um, so Simic. So by the numbers, Nexus. We'll just touch this real quick. Nexus did some of the best in terms of day two percentage, putting people in the, into that. Funnily enough, I'm pretty sure they kind of angled the camera. Uh, the coverage away from it. <laughs> pairings and the coverage away from it. We didn't see a whole lot of Nexus on camera uh, just because, you know, once Nexus gets going in its loop, it's kind of just like going off, yeah. doing whatever. Uh, we did get a lot more interactive games and stuff like that. Uh, like LSV did Phoenix was the is it deck of choice this weekend if you were playing drakes uh drakes didn't do very hot they had the lowest day two uh percentage of like the most popular decks that they only put like 40 percent of its players now again also take note that a good draft day can help buoy a middling standard performance but uh want to also give a shout out to so that top eight by the way three of that top eight were 6-0 in draft reed duke marcio carvalho and julian berteau all top are all had six O drafts across the two days. So, and then there was three more people who six O draft Francisco Sanchez, Jack Kiefer of the Kiefer brothers. So, Hey, even though they might not have put a, someone close to the finals, like the Kiefer kids are doing some work still like one of them six O to pro tour in drafts. That's crazy. And Paul Rietzel. So, so to kind of close out before we get to the outro, um, want to get a little personal for a bit. Um, so as i tweeted out from the podcast account we had a small hiatus because i had some surgery and i tweeted out what the surgery was and um just to kind of walk everyone through it 
what I had was called a left radial orchiectomy, which for those of you who aren't medical professionals, uh, basically I had my left testicle removed. Um, and about a week later after that, I got a call from my urologist who is fantastic and has been nothing but nothing but great. And they told me that uh, basically uh, they found cancer cells in it. And because of that, I needed to go in for a chest X-ray and a CT scan of my pelvis of my pelvis. Um, because if, if it had spread, those are the areas that they want to check for. And so I went in, uh, the next week, uh, saw my urologist basically the next day, right after I had the CT scan and the X-ray and, um, the X-ray was clean, which was good, but the, uh, CT scan showed an enlarged lymph node on the left side of my spine. So... Um, to kind of sum it up in one sentence, um, I have stage 2C uh, testicular cancer. And so I'm going to be starting chemo here within the next week or so. And I have a great team. My parents are going to be here to help take care of me uh, while I'm going through chemo because it's going to suck. Um, everyone at my at my work has been very supportive. Everyone who I've talked to, um, I, whether it's been online or in person, has been nothing but supportive as well. And so. For the next couple months, because I'm looking at 9 to 12 weeks of going through chemo, the podcast may become a little more irregular. And Worst comes the worst exactly. other solo episodes. It, it, but. It, it's, not, it's not for lack of wanting, because I, oh, I yeah. love talking magic. I love talking with Ian. I love talking with you guys, the listeners. Um, it's just that I don't know what my energy level is going to be, because... Um, Chemo is a hell of a thing, as I am, as I come, as I've come to understand it. So, and I, to be fair, like this, when John told me this, it like not to pull it on me or anything like that. I, it kind of hit me harder than I thought it would, too, because my own dad right now is actually he started his own bout of chemo this week, uh, for his own uh, yeah. he had neck cancer earlier this year, and hit a lymph node or whatever in his yeah. system. He's doing fine. The chemo is just to make sure that it. I with John telling me this is basically to ensure that it does not come back so and the same thing my dad so for but yeah me, um, i'm i'm fully here yeah. fully here so for, for John. me um the good news is that um uh, after talking with my oncologist the goal is to cure and that when i was talking to the urologist as well as my oncologist they both said um you know treat this type of tumor does usually respond well to treatment uh treatment usually takes care of it in 98 plus percent of cases um and it is and the goal that we're going to have is to kill it and kill it dead so that is going to be my future for the next couple of months and if the podcast doesn't come out for a couple of weeks that's probably going to be why um and yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a struggle and um if you are a dude uh make sure that you check yourself regularly because you don't want this shit sneaking up on you um so I'm going to have – I'm having a couple of doctor's appointments this week and then, like I said, I'm probably going to be starting chemo here within a week or two. So um, – and I'm thankfully in a pretty good place that I don't I don't need to start any sort of um, – any sort of funding as far as I'm aware. Um, I'll reassess once things start going but as far as I know, I've got a good – I've got a good support network. I'll be – I'll be fine and I will be here when I can and that's uh, – 
that's the best that I can do right yeah. now. And I'll be here for John as much as possible. Uh, and like I said, if worse comes to worse, we can pop out some exalted episodes or have a guest host yep. or two on, which we've done in the past. It won't be too much of an issue. We do want to thank all of you listeners for being so very understanding of this. And if you want to send your well wishes to John, feel free to on either the podcast account or when we talk about our own personal accounts, which we could probably yeah, get to Yeah, let's right go ahead now. and go to the outro. Ian, if people wanted to that find you good. on the social medias, where can they do so? You guys can find me on social media, at, on Twitter, at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Uh, I, you know, the usual tweet about sports, magic, geeky stuff, random stuff, army stuff occasionally. Not so much, but army stuff sometimes. And you guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks. I uh, have a SCG event coming up, so look for modern. I'll probably be kicking the tires on a ver- one of the various builds of Phoenix that exists. Most likely the Grixis slash it slash Teamer builds. And also... Getting back on the Grixis Death Shadow horse again, I'm probably not bringing Infect to this one. Uh, it just hasn't felt like a good meta for it. So look for some of those. I'm going to try and get uh, Aaron from Turn 1 Thoughtseize on there if he's available next week. I was hoping to do it tomorrow, but unfortunately he had other stuff that came up. So look for a couple of those. And also keep an eye out on Hipsters of the Coast next week, probably midweek. I'll be in an article. I'm, getting, I'm doing some interviews this week about that. It'll be fun. Hey. So, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. If you see me floating around any Twitch chats, which may be more likely in the future, don't hesitate to say hi. Um, and, yeah, I'll be posting updates when I can on uh, on the on my Twitter for my treatment and all that other fun stuff. Send them your well wishes. Yeah. Uh, if you want to reach the podcast, also or, F cancer. Yeah, also F cancer. Uh, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at Eyes in the Mize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you all, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye.